Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. It's live. Uh, It's not just in the name. This is a live program. Unless you hear it said it is a... Uh, what do they call it? An encore presentation. You're listening live, and I, my name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, coming to you live from the studios at Grace FM. Grace FM is a uh, network of stations that reaches from Cheyenne, Wyoming, south to the border of Pueblo, and we're asking you for two things if you're listening in. Um, number one, we're asking you to pray for us as we keep knocking on doors to purchase one more station that will take us south to Canyon City, all the way through, uh, really, two, it's a two-fold prayer in that request, and that is, we want to upgrade the signal down in Colorado Springs, 1017. Uh, we'd love to trade up or buy or whatever um, we need, and then we'd like to buy, and that station's strong enough, it'll go all the way down to the Canyon City, and we don't have to worry about it. Uh, but if not, then we'll have to buy another station that covers Canyon City. Uh, and we've been knocking on doors for many years now. Uh, that and, and some of you guys that are not listening outside of Colorado, you wonder, well, what's the big deal about Canyon City? I believe, uh, I forget the exact number, but I think there are 13 prisons down there, including the Federal Supermax. And we want to minister to them. We want the gospel to go beyond the walls down there. Of course, there are great churches in that area, too. We have friends that pastor in Pueblo and Canyon City, uh, and we want to continue to extend the reach of, of Grace FM, uh, and so pray for us. But if you're listening to this on another station, um, the second request is for you uh, to support your local Christian radio, and so I'm asking you to sign up. Uh, on our on our website or on our app, and 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 perhaps you, the Lord's just leading you to support Grace FM monthly and recurring. Uh, we would love for you to join our team. Uh, the fruit from our ministry here is is beautiful and wonderful. Uh, you know, for example, I won't read the whole emails to you, uh, but I, let me give you um, let me give you a few. Um, hello, my name is such and such, and on Saturday the twenty third, I was born again. Uh, and uh, this person goes on to share their testimony with me. And then there's another one. Uh, it says, wanted to tell you how much I'm encouraged by your Bible studies. I live in Boulder, Colorado, grateful for Pastor Ed, and for, please pray for my chronic health issues, and um, we just purchased your book. So uh, there's a lot of fruit and ministry going on. So I'm asking you to go to gracefm.com. Uh, or download the app on whatever platform your phone or iPad or a tablet is. And if you sign up for recurring, it would really bless us uh, because we're just a church running a full power, two full power radio stations. And uh, that means twice the bills, twice everything. And and your your support encourages us. And you're partnering for the uh, furtherance of the gospel. Now, let me be clear, if you're listening to this on another station, support the station you are listening to. Um, 
support the one that's close to you. Uh, and so make sure that you um, support your local Christian radio. And uh, if you're a Grace FM, support Grace FM. If you're Hope FM, Truth FM, support them locally. Uh, and I know that the Lord will bless you. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000 is the number. Taking your questions and your calls, knowing that the Lord is doing a great work ministering to us. 303-690-3000. Of course, you can also text. The text line is 720-336-0897. We also use that text line as a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer line. So if you need prayer and you want to text us, uh, just use that number. 303, uh, actually the text line is 720-336-0897. Christina in Elizabeth, Colorado. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Great, how are you? Pretty good. Um, so my son actually has a question. I'm calling for him. I have you on speakerphone. Okay. Um, he was wondering if Lucifer was in the Bible, so we looked it up. Yes. We found Isaiah 14, 12, and then we looked up the interlinear and found a few different definitions on here. So we just wanted some clarification. It's saying light bearer, shining one, morning star. Yes. But it also says the king of Babylon, and that kind of took us off guard. So we're curious about that. Well, you have what you have in Isaiah is a dual revelation. The 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 original content of 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 Isaiah is speaking of. Well, let me read it to you. Let me make sure. I'm on the same page with you. So it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who've weakened the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. And what we have is the um, is is a is a uh, revelation of the fall of the devil. Uh, and it's described through, um, Isaiah's prophecy and who he is, and as as the fall of Lucifer is being described, there is that explanation of how he fell from heaven, how he's called the morning star, the sun of dawn, the day star, the shining star, and we we can tell from pulling that description that this definitely is referring to um, to the fall of Satan, number one. Number two, when we look up the name, as you guys did, I'm going to look it up here in the... Um, I just had it. Let me flip back to it. Um, we will go back to the... Uh, what am I looking at here? I'm sorry. I am... This word is uh, from a Latin word meaning light bearer. I'm reading from a dictionary, but I can't tell which one. The Latin term refers to the planet Venus appearing in the evening and the morning, which is the brightest object in the sky except for the sun and the moon. Uh, others have identified it, identified it with the crescent moon, and it's also been said to be some, um, the planet Jupiter. The Hebrew term, it says, is is from which the Latin Lucifer is derived, um, comes directly from this text. It means shining one, uh, and in different languages, 
Um, it's also referred to as the sun of dawn and the morning star. Now, from the son of Babel, um, that is the first time I have heard the son of Babel. Um, did, is that what you said, the son of Babel? Um, it says the king of Babel. Or the king of Tyre <clears throat> is another reference that, that we have here that go, takes us all the way back into Ezekiel. Uh, when Ezekiel was talking about the historical king of Tyre, he moved into the dateless past. I mean, that's that that's a, in Ezekiel. So... That one I'm going to have to look at. I don't. You guys looked in an interlinear. Is that where you found yeah, that's, that? That's where we saw that from. That is the first time I've heard of the King of Babel. Let's see. So, um, the King of Babylon is who Isaiah is referencing here, um, which is which is the dual, duality of the judgment that is coming upon the king of Babylon. Because if you jump down to verse 22, uh, you, it, it brings, like, um, I, would, I was about to call this a dual prophecy, but it's actually not prophetic in nature. It's actually prophetic toward Babylon and then uh, toward the king of Babylon. And then as you go backwards, it's also describing a spiritual historical event. Uh, and you can see in verse 22 of Isaiah 14, it says, For I will rise up against them, says the Lord of hosts, and cut off Babylon and the name and the remnant, the offspring and posterity, says the Lord. I'll also make a possession for the porcupine, the marshes of the muddy water. So the beginning of chapter 14, uh, or excuse me, the middle of chapter 14 is actually a, a, let me slow down, it is a, Judgment against the king of Babylon, and we actually get that from verse 4. So I don't have my Bible open, but I'm reading. The reason I'm back and forth is because I'm reading on my computer. So this is what verse 3 says. It shall come to pass in the day of the Lord gives you rest from your sorrow and from your fear and the hard bondage in which you were made to serve, that you will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, then you kind of read all the way through, and verse 12 is a part of the proverb against the king of Babylon. And so in this case, Lucifer is referencing in the immediate time of Isaiah as he's writing to the king of Babylon, but it's also a very uh, picturesque description of the fall of Satan um, that is being compared to the fall of Babylon that's about to come, the king of Babylon. So that was a long answer to a very short question. Well, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for being patient with me as I'm talking it out. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no problem. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow. I apologize for that. I got to get cleared up. But I was scrolling through. I should have just opened my Bible, um, scrolling through my computer program. And the, the best way to answer it, if you're still listening, uh, is context, context, context. Uh, that's the first place to look. Uh, Christina and your son uh, is context. And there are times when the Bible is speaking of something in the immediate, but it's also speaking of something in the future. Um, almost always uh, there is a, th this is something speaking of the immediate and actually speaking of the past. Um, but, but what threw me is I've never heard Lucifer um, as a defined as the king of Babylon, but it makes perfect sense that that interlinear would actually use the king of Babylon because that's who this is being addressed to. So you could say, if we were standing in that day when Isaiah was giving forth this word, you you would uh, be able to stand there and go, man, he's calling the king of Babylon Lucifer. 
in this particular word. And the Hebrew word is Hellel, H-E-L-E-L is how it's how it is um, uh, translated into the English, and it would definitely refer to the king of Babylon. Love it. Love talking out loud. The Holy Spirit will take us to the end eventually, huh? (laughs) 303-690-3000. First Corinthians chapter 15. Got a question via text. Can you explain the first fruits in 1 Corinthians 15. So let me get there. Uh, Verse 20. Uh, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Yes, the word and the phrase here that's describing the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that he is the first fruits. He is the uh, example for everything to come. He's the first real, full, only at this point, only resurrection from the dead. Um, And there are those that are waiting for the fullness of the resurrection. You and I, of course, are alive. But first fruits is is specifically referring to the reality of the first of many to come. Um, You know, the from the Old Testament, we know that the phrase first fruits would uh, describe the first portion of the rest of the the crops it was the first portion but it also it was first in a, in a very literal form uh, that the rest that would follow would be similar in kind and thus we see the very same type of usage the beginning or the the example of what is to come you know the first fruits spoke of the full harvest that came afterwards uh, and so the first fruits of the resurrection is the, a picture of what's going to come for every true believer. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Here's a text question. What am I preaching on tonight? I am, we are starting a new chapter t- tonight. It has been some time. I had some travels, taught at the Bible College in California, taught at my home church, And then I came home from California just a little bit sick. It wasn't COVID, but because I had symptoms, I didn't want to get anyone else sick, so they had to quarantine. So I just stayed home last Wednesday. Uh, Pastor Everett filled in. So I've been gone from Wednesdays for a few weeks, especially with the holidays. But I'm jumping back in. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2 tonight. Very excited to get back into 1 Peter. Excited to be back to praying together, encouraging one another in the Lord. Uh, We're going to be... studying chapter 2, verses 1 through 6 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Tough Times Require God's Word. Tough Times Require God's Word. So we're going to be looking at how trials are uh, a great bring about a greater necessity of the Word of God, a greater necessity of the Word of God. And I believe God's going to meet us here tonight. We meet here, if you're in town, here in, in the metro area, Denver Metro, <clears throat> we have 7 o'clock Bible study. Uh, we come together for worship and song. Uh, we pray together. Uh, we study the Bible together. We fellowship together. We are in person. Yes, we do have uh, face covering restrictions, uh, if you will. We're cooperating with the with the um, guidance uh, to have face coverings. But and I know how hard it is. But you get used to it. You get used to it in this sense. We're looking forward to the day we don't do it, but we get used to it. And at the same time. Even if, and especially if you don't like it, you don't agree with it, 
you you can learn to die to yourself a little bit. Because uh, I certainly don't like it. I've got my L.A. Dodger mask here, and I'm not wearing it for the show, but around the office we're wearing it. And I think of others when I wear the face covering, and, and it doesn't make me like it anymore except that my love for others, I don't want anybody to get sick. I don't want anyone to fall ill. I, I don't want anyone to catch COVID. Um, you know, I came back from California in December with COVID, um, and gratefully, I didn't. I wasn't around anybody except my wife and my daughter. And fortunately, they didn't catch it. <clears throat> but I don't want to hurt anybody. Um, I realize it has symptoms of a common flu, and I realize that most people um, are very minorly unaffected by it. I I realize that. Um, and for me, I had a very mild case myself, or at least mild symptoms. But it's not true for everyone. And I just want to be able to say, and I want to disciple a church family to be able to say, when this is all over, and we look back on it as a, as a distant memory, that we weren't known as militant, and we weren't known as angry, and we weren't known as shaking our fists. We were known as a church that cooperated with uh, the local governments while we also worshiped the Lord, and cooperated to the best of our ability. Um, and, and I'm grateful for a church family that is willing to follow um, that direction. And right at the very beginning of this, when we didn't know what it was, you know, we wanted to show preference, uh, we wanted to show hum- humility, and we wanted to, uh, what was the, the three words? Like, they're so memorable that I can't remember all three of them. Uh, patience, there, there you go, patience, preference, and humility. And I have had to sit across the table with people very sick. I had have had to pray with families that are very afraid. Uh, I've had to pray for families that have been extremely affected by COVID. Um, even the family that we stayed with in California, <clears throat> they were very concerned about opening their home during COVID, but they did as under the Lord, and, and they ended up contracting COVID, but not for me. Um, however, Caleb and I, who stayed with them, we, we followed their direction. We wore, wore face coverings in their home, and we honored them. Uh, and we could, uh, I'm very good friends with that family, and I can look them in the eye and go, I'm, I'm very sorry you guys got sick because it hit them pretty hard. Um, but I can also say um, that I followed um, what he requested of me. And, and we follow what was requested of us. And we're going to get through this. I actually wrote a little pamphlet. Uh, you will get through this. We're going to get through this. I encourage you to pick up the pamphlet. Go to Amazon.com. and um, Or actually, don't go there. Go to CalvaryCO. Excuse me. CalvaryCO.store. CalvaryCO.store. And right there is a... Um, that is the nonprofit um, location of the resource. And we want you to only go to the nonprofit resource. And it, the pamphlet is called You Will Make It Through. CalvaryCO dot store. That's the extension of our bookstore here at Calvary. 303-690-3000. Back to Aurora, Colorado. Dwight, welcome to the program. Hey, Dwight, you're on the air. Dwight, are you with me? I'm going to give you one more shot. No, I guess not. We'll we'll pick up with him. Yes, you're on the air. Okay. I don't know what happened. I think I hit the wrong button. That's all. Is my fault. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh, no problem. Hey, I just wanted to find out, Ed, what is Pentecostal movement all about? Are they heretical? What, what's going on with that? Well, the the Pentecostal movement is not um, 
what's the word I want to use? It is not unilateral or um, there's another word I want to I want to use, but I can't think of it. It's not it's not something where every single church adheres to the same thing. Um, and so when you think of the Pentecostal movement in a general sense, you want to think of them as a group of churches that believe in the gift in, in the supernatural gifts of the spirit that are available for today. Uh, and by that general definition, Calvary Chapel, our ministry here, would be considered a Pentecostal movement. You might also hear them describe uh, the Pentecostal movement described as charismatics. And the reason why you would describe them as charismatics is that we believe in the charisma gifts uh, that are described and exercised on Pentecost, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that are still in existence today. Uh, and and so that it the however not every church that's a part of the Pentecostal movement is is the same or even trustworthy like for example many of the many of the churches that are involved with the false teaching of the health and wealth false teaching and the the faith movement uh, would be considered Pentecostal churches but you judge them on their doctrine and their doctrine is wrong so you can't it wouldn't be possible to say that every Pentecostal is trustworthy, you would have to deal with each individual church and what they teach. For example, um, some trustworthy Pentecostal churches would be those within the Assembly of God, those within the Foursquare movement. There's many, um, there's many independent churches. But for many years, you know, are you familiar with the teaching of Benny Hinn? Oh yeah, I've seen him. Okay, so Benny Hinn was a was a part of the Assembly of God, and so you 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 have to. You have to test every church. You you got to be able to test the doctrine and not just say, "Well, every church is okay because they're a part of that denomination." I I think he left the Assembly of God by now, but he was a he came out of the Assembly of God, and I wouldn't recommend him. But there's a great Assembly of God church right here in in town. I'd recommend them. Um, but so yeah, I, I used to belong to a, a Assemblies of God, and they were teaching that you could lose your salvation and get it back ten times a day. You know, and that's part of um, that's part of what's known as Arminian theology. Um, you know, came came to us through the Methodist movement, Charles Wesley. I mean, it came to us through Arminius many years ago, but in our modern day, um, that there are many people that still believe that you can lose your salvation. I'm not one of them, even though I think you could call our church a Pentecostal church, uh, except that we were taught to let the in the gatherings of art together. The emphasis here is the teaching of the Word of God. The focus is on the God of the gifts, not the gifts of God. Right, right. Um, what about these guys that play with snakes? Aren't they Pentecostal? <clears throat> yeah, but I think you'd probably put them in a hyper-Pentecostal. You've got to create a new category for them. Uh, you'd have to put them in a hyper-Pentecostal. And just what I've been trying to teach our church, you know, another another Pentecostal church movement to be, a care, um, to be careful of is the Oneness Pentecostals. Uh, don't don't go anywhere near them because they don't believe in the Trinity, and and so it would have to be. I've been trying to teach the church here. I even shared it this weekend. Test all things, including what I say, and hold fast to what is good. And if I can train people to do that, then they'll be relying on the Holy Spirit, trusting in the Word of God, and they'll run away from churches um, and teachers and YouTube videos and things like that that don't reflect uh, true sound doctrine. That's really sad because you got a lot of people that are not really, you know, educated, and maybe a, a new Christian gets involved with one of these guys, and they think everybody's like that. 
I think you're right. It's it's one of the discouraging things um, that I've I've I, I was really introduced to it when I moved here. Um, when I served at the church in California, I spent most of my time with the children's ministry, so I didn't really experience what we experienced here, where there's always a new doctrine. Like the Bible says, there's always winds of doctrine that come through, things that mm-hmm. catch people's ears. Uh, and you're right, new believers. Um, can easily get caught up in a in a movement or in a church that may not have the fullness of doctrine. But the good news is this: you refer to them as new believers, and the good news about a new believer is that they have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. And I believe it's only a matter of time for a real believer to forsake false teaching, because eventually, as they mature and the sanctification process happens, uh, they'll be able to discern whether they should stick around or not. Right. Hey, thanks, Ed. Thanks for your time. Okay, brother. God bless you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Text me... Seven, uh, three, three, <laughs> slow down, Ed. 720-336-0897. Up to Cheyenne, Wyoming. Tiger is on the line. Tiger, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Uh, maybe the first time I've been on the program. I was tuning in while I was uh, driving here. Oh, right on. I just wanted to thank you. I was listening to the last caller there. Um, I personally also believe in eternal security. Um, there are several scriptures, for example, one that says we're sealed until the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. I think that word sealed is, is pretty permanent. It means uh, like a, a sealed mark. It means that we're, we belong to Jesus, we're in his book of life. And the people that believe you can, can lose your salvation, I think that it empties the power of the cross. Saying, okay, the cross wasn't enough to keep it. And I've always thought that was uh, insulting to our Lord. Now, that doesn't mean there, that there isn't a side to repentance and truly living for Christ. I'm not undermining that. Uh, but I do thank you for the fact that uh, you believe in eternal security, because I believe that's an important doctrine. Um, I believe it's Paul that said, these things I write that you may know you have eternal life. And uh, how can we have peace in Christ? How can we have true peace and joy if we were walking around wondering if we could lose our salvation? I agree. My main question, um, but I just wanted to comment on that real quick. Okay, great. But I just wanted to ask, there was a scripture that I just didn't quite understand, and I just wanted a little clarification. Okay. I was reading Matthew the other day, and it, it said, um, and this is an exact wording, because I don't have the scripture in front of me, but okay. uh, Christ was talking to the people there, I believe most of his disciples, and, they, and he said to them that there are some of you here that will not taste death before the, the coming of the Son of Man. But I don't quite understand what he meant by that, because, of course, that generation is, is past, and he hasn't came the second time. Sure. Was he not referring to the second coming, or was he referring to something else, or how is that scripture to be interpreted? Yeah, I think the best way to handle—it's in Matthew chapter 16, in verse 28, it says in the New King James, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And I think the best way to handle this text is by taking it in its immediate context, because the next, the next thing that happens six days later 
It says in chapter 17 that Jesus took Peter, James, and John. His brother went up to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And Moses and Elijah appeared to him, talking with him. And then Peter excuse me, answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. <clears throat> if you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and you know, let's basically stay here all of our lives. And I believe that what Jesus was saying uh, in revealing to them happened right in front of them six days later when they were at the transfiguration where they got to see a glimpse and a picture of the kingdom of God as Jesus Christ in a glorified sense. And I think he's referring to that appearing as a sneak peek right there on the transfiguration. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half. The music caught up to us really, really fast. I wasn't paying attention at the time, um, but I did was able to get the answer out. Uh, I do believe that what Jesus was referring to happened uh, six days later. Uh, a preview of Jesus in his glorified state uh, as he gave just a really glimpse to Peter, James, and John in what's known as the Transfiguration. Uh, And as you read all three of the Gospels, Mark and Luke and Matthew, the Transfiguration follows the the same prediction in all three of the Gospels. Uh, And there's good, there's debate on this, but that's where I fall. There's a lot of, of... Uh, good, solid um, support for that. Um, The Transfiguration actually ends up confirming three important things. Uh, Number one, it confirmed the disciples that the kingdom was indeed future. Secondly, it confirmed to them that Jesus was defined, the divine Messiah. And thirdly, it confirmed to them that the Messiah had to suffer. Uh, and, And so... Really good. 303-690-3000, taking your calls and your question. We're going to go to Marissa down in Philadelphia. Marissa, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. And it was Marissa. Oh, Marissa. Okay, no problem. What's up, Marissa? I was just, my question was about the (laughs) COVID-19 shot. And I I know the fact that Jesus is still on the throne, and uh, God is still on the throne, and he's, um, we're not subject to that, the beast, as I understand yet. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, and that was just because there's, somebody came up to me about the COVID-19, and my daughter has actually um, um, read a lot on the internet, and I told her you need to stop reading the internet, and go to the Bible, and, sure. you know, and I just don't want her to get the wrong impression. But I've always taught her that we shouldn't be subject to that until the—I mean, we shouldn't be subject to that because we are believers and because we're waiting for Christ. And once the—only during the seven years will that be happening because, you know, we nobody will be getting 
I mean, we they're going to make you do that. I said, at this point, they're not making us do anything. I would agree. So, you know, when you think of the COVID uh, vaccine, there's a couple things that if we slow down like you have, I think I, I commend you for slowing down and sorting things out because things get lost as they get lumped lumped together. Uh, and I, I do believe when it comes to the COVID vaccine and the whole environment, the government decisions and the shutdowns and that we're seeing a picture of how fast the world could be ruled, right? You see how fast the world can come under one rule, one fear, one virus, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it can happen very, very fast. First of all, I think what the Lord's trying to show everyone on the earth is is that the the world can be under the sway of one thing at the same time. Um, number two, I think it's showing us how how powerful governments can be uh, in in our lives. Um, because remember, in the end times, there's going to be one world ruler, a one world government, a one world monetary system, uh, and and you know most of the world is caught up in the in the fear and the concerns concerning COVID. What, whatever's true, whatever's not true, um, the reality is that some people get COVID and get very, very sick. And I know when we compare it to the flu or we compare it to another sickness, it may sound or look similar. Um, it may, but the reality is, is we can only deal with the facts. We don't need to compare it to anything. We got to deal with the facts. And governments can overreach. They can shut churches down. Um, you know, they can, they can shut, and you know, the thing is, is they can shut churches down from meeting in a building, but can governments really shut the church down? Of course not. Never, ever, never, never. Why? How do I know that? The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so never, it doesn't matter. So a government says you cannot meet in that building. It's unfair. It's wrong. It certainly doesn't convey what the founding fathers shared in our the formation of our government but what that that's of course that that the world is not pro church um, the world is antichrist remember what john said he said not only is one antichrist coming but many antichrists have already come the spirit of antichrist is already among us and so as you're breaking down these things I don't, I believe, I, I don't know much about the medical concern. I know there's videos and YouTube things right. and things like that. It's a medical decision yeah. that a person needs to make, but the reality of it being the mark of the beast, it lacks one important component. Uh, it lacks a couple of many important components, but it lacks one in particular, and that is when you take the be- the mark, when you take the mark, it's not forced upon you, number one, you take it. Secondly, the mark of the beast includes a spiritual allegiance to the Antichrist. It, it is a spiritual decision. Right. It's lived out in the practical, but the mark of the beast and receiving it is a spiritual decision. So nobody's going to get the mark of the beast by accident because for yeah. the mark of the beast to have its effectuality, it has to be correspond with yes i want to i want yeah, to right. eat and i i worship you antichrist i'm against god and i don't believe the context of the vaccine today includes an allegiance to the antichrist however however it is an interesting thing that they're going to be requiring it when you travel they're going to be giving new passports perhaps that show that you've been vaccinated 
You won't be able, some, some employers won't allow you to work without this particular vaccine. And those all have um, very familiar ingredients to them that I believe we're getting a sneak preview of what it's going to be like when the mark of the beast does come. Right. So, I mean, I personally don't feel I want to. I mean, it's okay. Um, but in that I will, but I mean, if I have to, I, I will, but because I've gotten the other vaccines, I'm also in the pharmacy and stuff. So we have to get these vaccines and stuff in order to, to be at, at work. And, um, right. but I'm, I used to be in the pharmacy, but now I'm, I'm doing retail, okay. but I'm not required to do it. So um, at this point, you know, it's just washing of the hands and being clean, what have you. But I, I don't. I, I try to tell my daughter not to be subject to the internet so much because yeah. she's um, she takes everything in, you know, so seriously. I said, but we did do the polio. We did do all right. that, and all that was killing people too. I mean, we're still not subject to the beast, is what I try to tell her. So. Um, what I what I like to do, and, and I think that you're doing a great job as a mom and as a fellow believer, because what I like to do is I like to take that discussion and and transform it into, okay, so I support if you don't want to get the mark, and then lead them into, so what are you doing to share the gospel? How are you, how is all this information, because so, that question only needs to be answered once, and so now that it's answered, what's next? Um, because if somebody says to me, I don't want to get the... Um, I don't want to get the vaccine because I believe it's the mark of the beast. I say, okay, I don't agree with everything you said, but I respect your decision. Um, and, and I would never want to encourage you to do something against your conscience. You know, if your conscience bears, just understand. And it's okay. Like, this is the big deal. This is the big, this is the big part of it. If you don't want to take the vaccine in our culture today, there will be a price to pay. So just be ready to pay it. Same in the, and, and it's the same for, it's the flip side of the mark of the beast, isn't it? When the mark of the beast comes and it, let's just say we're wrong about the rapture. I don't think we are, but I, I'm willing to admit or at least concede, okay, I'm wrong. And we're going to go through the great tribulation period. Okay. So that means if we do go through the great tribulation period, that means there's going to come a time when the mark will, we will be forced to make a decision when it comes to the mark of the beast. And all true believers are going to say no to the mark of the beast, which then will lead to our heads being cut off. Um, there's a price to pay. So in light of this research your daughter's done and she thinks it's the mark of the beast, and, and it's like, okay, well, don't take it. There's a price to pay. Um, you know, but your head's not yeah. being cut off. You know, you're not dying uh, for refusing to take it. But the reality is, is that there, it, I mean, I'm telling you, things are, remember what Daniel said in the end times, knowledge will increase. Like things will happen rapidly. Remember Jesus said it's going to be like birth pangs, how, man, the, the pain of birth, the closer to delivery, the more frequent the pain. And, and man, we are here. This is it. But I, I think of all the places we do mission trips, you know, they require shots to come in, you know, yellow fever, yeah. hepatitis, rabies, typhoid. Right. Um, right. And, you know, Almost, I, yeah. I don't like needles, period. But I'm t in order to do ministry... Um, yeah. I'll get a shot. Yeah. Yeah, as long as, you know, we're not, uh, we're still subject to the laws. And the Bible says we have to follow them. We have to, and that's sometimes, if it becomes a law, we have to take it. And I told my daughter, um, I mean, I can research it for you and what have you, but 
meanwhile, God is still on the throne, and I'm going to take it if I have to. Well, I, I would even I say... I don't need to, I won't. I would say that the criteria for me is not legal. Like, they can't make me take it. I would just have to be willing to pay the price if I don't want to take it. You know, and they could make it legal, and they could say, do this or you cannot live. And if I have a strong conviction or my kids have a strong conviction, is no, I'm not going to take it. Well, then don't take it, but just know that it, it's going to be a price to pay. Um, and we we as believers, and he, especially we were talking a little bit about this in our staff meeting today, or at least with our pastors, I should say, um, you know, the, the Western Christianity is does not have a theology of suffering. Um, as a matter of fact, the most popular uh, and some of the most largest churches and the most popular churches are churches associated with the faith movement, churches that have, um, you know, pep talks for sermons, and that that's not biblical Christianity. It's not the first century. One of the things we're going to do here as a church is we're going to go back to the book of Acts. I just think it's time for us to be reminded uh, here in the near future when I finish Hebrews that, man, we, we, need to, we need to be reminded of the pain and suffering that comes with a real relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just... We're not asking for it. It just comes naturally. <clears throat> right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate the, the conversation. No problem. All righty. Bye-bye. You have a great day. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. That's all the lines. They're completely empty. Give me a call. 303-690-3000. Uh, taking your calls and your questions and I, I am open for really good, sound dialogue. I appreciate that. Um, very encouraging uh, so that <clears throat> we can just talk these things through, even if we don't fully agree. Let's be an example to the listeners. Let's be an example to the listening audience of as we're talking things through, as we're discussing things that we both, both from a biblical perspective and a practical perspective, that even if we don't agree, uh, we still can be kind and loving and caring, and we can have real answers to real questions. Um, but we, we, the church has to be the church, and one of the things that binds the church together is love. I love, we don't beat, we don't, ex, ex, <clears throat> um, we don't uh, destroy each other. Uh, we don't, uh, at least we shouldn't, we shouldn't destroy each other. We shouldn't kick each other when we're down. Um, but rather we can talk through these things and really grow in grace together, just knowing that the, the Holy Spirit will be among us, uh, ministering to us and speaking life into us. When we agree, yes, especially when we disagree. And, you know, of course, this, uh, this last call wasn't much of disagreement, but, you know, some people just like to mi- major on everything they disagree about. And, and the church is coming off as an angry... Um, um, and, you know, some people would angry and upset and, and some people would say, well, that's just the media. That's just the media. But why, why would we even give them a chance to put it that way? So what if it is the media? What if they do twist things? What if they, so what, why do we give them a chance to do that? Why aren't we known for what we're doing? Um, and you, you know, you think of, um, um, you, you think of all the opportunities we have to spread the love of Jesus Christ. We could keep our lives full for the rest of our lives. And let's just do it. Let's do it under the Lord. Uh, we can all grow in that area. 303-690-3000. We're back in uh, the book of Peter, First Peter tonight. So excited to be back in the pulpit on a Wednesday. It's been 
uh, a long time, um, been a long time, what the Lord is uh, doing on Wednesday nights. And <clears throat> it is an encouraging time um, <clears throat> as we talk about trials and difficulties, but we also... Um, we also know that the Word of God speaks directly to the pain and difficulties of life. And I'm just kind of reading through, talking at the same time. Uh, glad to hear you don't have COVID. Yep, it's already done. Vitamin D3 is good. Great. With respect to your caller, it seems like COVID vaccine is a dress rehearsal. That's a, that is a great way to put it. I think I've heard that before, but thanks for reminding me. A dress rehearsal for the mark of the beast. Uh, I think I, I look at that. Here's a great question. Uh, do you think there will be a revival before the rapture of the church? Um, I hope there's a revival before the rapture of the church. Um, I hope for that. Um, but to say, do I think there will be, I don't know. I just know that I have a hopeful disposition toward that. And and what I mean by that is that what I mean by revival is a, uh, a uh, an overwhelming outpouring of the Holy Spirit where many people get saved, and that means more people will be raptured. Um, so my hope is uh, my hope is in the Lord that he will send revival to his church that will revive those parts that are dead, that we would remember from where we have fallen, repent and return and do the first works. And then by that, many people will get saved and many more will be raptured. So I hope so. 303 690 uh, we're going to go right to line two is Cody up in Fort Collins. Cody, welcome to the program. Hi, Ed. Thank you. You're welcome. First, and um, I just have a question. At what point <clears throat> legally can Christians resist government orders? Like, you know, say they wanted to round up Christians and put them in a FEMA camp, and we knew that something bad was going on in the FEMA camp, like they were killing them. You know, uh, that's one of the hardest things in the Bible for me is, is, is. the uh, verses about, you know, submitting to government. Well, let me make like it easier. One... Let me make it easier for you, because one of the things I've tried to do, uh, and I don't, I'm not always perfect at this, but, but when it, with a question like this, one of the things I try to do is I try to stay away from hypotheticals. Because if we start coming up with hypotheticals, we'll just keep coming up with ones that leave. You know, we'll come up with an answer to the hypothetical, and and then maybe it'll be changed. And we're always talking about things that haven't happened yet, instead of things talking about things that have happened, and so or, or are happening. And right now, I'm not being asked to be put into a camp. I'm not being asked, so I don't need to worry about that question today. I've got other things. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, "Don't worry about tomorrow." Uh, because sufficient is the day, its own concern, its own worry. Like, I've got enough going on today to share the gospel, to love with people, to do this show, so that I try not to deal with hypotheticals. And I try to, to really trust in Jesus when he said that when something happens, I'll be there for you. And when something happens, I will uh, give you the words that you need to answer. And the greatest example of injustice that we have in the scriptures is... Jesus dying on the cross, and that is the most, the greatest injustice to ever take place, a fully innocent man murdered by the government, and the choice Jesus made is to submit to it. That's the choice he made. 
Now, I don't believe that's a universal choice. I'm just offering it as a way of context that there are times where God would have us to submit to unjust, ungodly governments. Um, however, we do know that there are some lines where God would say no. Um, you know, Peter Peter was brought to that situation in the book of Acts where they were told, don't preach the gospel anymore. And in not preaching in, in that command, Peter said, well, I don't know about you if we're going to obey God or man, but um, we're going to obey God. We're not going to stop preaching. And so we can see both sides. And of course, we have the Holocaust as a great example of something that we, you described in the hypothetical. And, and I mean, if there was another Holocaust, um, we, would, we would stand up to protect the innocent at the, at the concern of our own lives. You know, we would, we would, if the Holy Spirit, looking back on history, would say, yeah, they're taking people to camps and killing them and cremating them, we don't approve of that, and we give life for life, which is also what Jesus gave as an example. But I know we're not there yet, so I don't want to dwell in any kind of hypotheticals. I just want to be faithful to what the Lord's given me today, because I believe if God is gonna, if He's gonna give me what I need today, then when I wake up, if I if I wake up tomorrow, He's gonna give me what I need tomorrow. Uh, thank you. That's very helpful. But I do believe that the COVID vaccine is a dress rehearsal for. I think that's things. a great way to put it. I really like that phrase. I'm going to try to memorize it, make sure I use it. I agree with you. I do believe a lot of this is a dress rehearsal. And and I think it's important for us to understand, too, that this kind of governmental power around the world has existed for a long time. And even the economies can be manipulated. I don't know if you've been following on the recent GameStop things that are going on. Do you follow, have you followed that story recently? My friend actually just uh, let me know about that, but I don't really know much about it. Yeah, it, it just shows that through a couple of websites and a lot of people coming together on, on platforms like Robinhood and different things where you could trade stocks, that they have ridiculously pressed the stock. I looked today, it was up 200 bucks. Um, and it's, it's all fake. It's not real value. GameStop's ready to file bankruptcy, but it was able, they were able to manipulate the stock market to take millions of dollars out for themselves while bankrupting some of these hedge funds. So, but, but the real thing is, is hedge funds manipulate the market all the time. So the economy isn't what, what it appears to be. And I, I think what God is God is allowing for believers. I mean, I, I don't know everything, but I do really get a f- strong sense that God, one of the things that God is doing to his church right now is teaching us how to look and trust him. And we're putting our hope in money and it's going to disappear. We put our hope. I mean, you read through our parallels of our country in particular, but the world in, in general parallel very closely to Judah and Israel in the Old Testament. Some of the things that were told those nations, if you read it today, just fresh on the news, it sounds like a word to our nation and to nations around the world. And we, as believers, it's we are the church, and we need to get right with the Lord. We're the ones that we say we know him intimately, and we need to be involved in his kingdom. So I appreciate your call, buddy. Totally agree. Thank you, Ed. I'll be watching tonight. <clears throat> Thanks, Cody. Bye-bye. So good. Great questions. Hard questions, but we need to talk about them. Um, but hard, challenging things. Um, but I've been telling the church, I think this is the year. The church has got to be the church. Uh, church be the church. I think the, we're going to, I'm going to ask some shirts to be made. Be the church. Be the church. I want us to be reminded, be the church. All day, every day, be the church. Not the building, not the organization, 
not the corporation. We have all those things to operate in this world. None, we don't need any of it. Uh, Kevin, you were, how, how, how early, text me, how early in the school did you come? What year did you show up? So we started in 1999. 2000 was the first full year in the school. And then we moved in this building in 2006. So when did you show up in the school? Did you? You did. You came to the school, didn't you? Okay, well, so he thinks 2001. I'm looking at him, but he's actually typing. <laughs> so Kevin's here. We're together here in this building, 20, you know, year 2021. But we used to meet in a school, uh, you know, walking distance here from the building. And we pretty much didn't own anything. I mean, we owned some of the... the we owned some of these children's ministry stuff. We owned some sound equipment, uh, but we didn't own the building. We didn't own the chairs. We didn't own the carpet. We didn't control it. We didn't have the keys, nothing. And we were just as much a church then as we are now. Why? Because we're the church. And we just need to be the church. And of course, you have a building you want to gather together. That's important. Do it. Of course. Do it. Gather together. Gather together in homes. Gather together in buildings, gather together uh, in schools, in strip malls, gather together. But the church is not limited to building. To I even sh- I think I shared it. I don't know if it was on the radio today or I think it was on the radio today. Um, I shared a message earlier this year to kick off 2021 that aired on the radio today in Abounding Grace, and and I was telling our church that um, I was telling our church that don't think that. The church is only 90 minutes gathered on a Sunday morning. It's not. I mean, we keep saying it, but like it's not. And yeah, the Lord knows. 303-690-3000. Let me get this call from Centennial, Colorado. Natasha, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hi. Um, Hi, we spoke uh, on this line a couple years ago regarding my husband who has cancer. And you pray for him. Well, he's been doing really well. He's on oral chemotherapy drugs, and he's still doing amazing. He's had cancer since 2017. Our our daughter, who's now four, was 11 or 10 months old. Yes. He got diagnosed. Wow. Um, So I I wanted to give you an update. He's doing well. But also, um, we had our second child. We had a boy um, a year ago. He's one. We had him through IVF because of Luke's uh, cancer, and he's also on chemotherapy. So we had to do IVF to have him. And he's, he's our biological son, but through IVF. And um, so we have another embryo, and it's a girl. Oh, wow. I have, I have, her, <laughs> I have it named yes, and yes. everything. And I really want to have this embryo. My husband, Luke, he's a, a little on the fence. Because of the times that we're in right now, he he's afraid, he's worried about him and his health, and he wants to be able to just go camping and go do fun things, which we do. Even though I have a baby, we still do that anyway. But he's kind of not wanting to do the newborn stage all over again. Yes. So I just I really need prayer. I because I don't want to let it go. No. And I don't. And I don't know what to do because it really upsets me. And I have talked to the um, the conceptions, which is where we did the IVF, 
the fertility clinic and everything, and I definitely am not donating it yet. I, I want to keep it, and okay. I want to have Good. it with, with my husband, but okay. I need prayer because I don't know if God wants me to have this baby, us to have this baby, Someone else. then I want to have the baby, or if if God is going to change my heart somehow and and or change Luke's heart. I don't know. I just I don't know what to do. I just need I just I need to talk to somebody about this and okay. um I just need I think I need prayer and I I really wanted you to pray for me. Okay, Father, I pray for my sister as she is in just such a deep dilemma. First of all, we want to rejoice with you for these beautiful children. We want to rejoice with you God for um, the cancer being in remission and being treated. We want to rejoice in you, Lord, the things that, you know, that we are desperate for, you're faithful to meet and to, um, to in a very good way, answer our prayers. You know, that sometimes the answer to our prayers aren't, isn't such a good ending, and so we're liking these. And now we're asking for yet another. Your word says, and I pray according to your word, where it says that if we ask anything, um, if, or, or if we lack wisdom, um, we can get it from you. You'll give it to us without reproach. Like you'll, you'll, You will hand to us, Lord, the type of wisdom that we need to make these decisions. So I pray for my sister, you give her wisdom, that you would give it to her in abundance, in agreement with her uh, with her husband, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, sister, talk to you later. So Bye-bye. Wow, lots going on. In the church, we are uniquely positioned to love people and encourage them. See you tonight, 7 o'clock, Calvary Church. Go to calvaryco.church in person or online. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.